As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show, another big European edition. In Italy, remarkable Di Marco and Rudy Garcia later. In France, La Havre's and Have Nots, and you'll never guess who's on top now. In Spain, maybe Real Madrid don't need a striker, or Jude. And in the Bundesliga, the Stuttgart story and Bayern meets Sella Dweller. All that and more in this Totally Football Show. Tuesday the 14th of November, there's not a moment to lose. Listener, thank you so, so much for joining us. Just in time to hear the words and wisdom of Raphael Honigstein. Hello. Julian Laurent. Bonjour. Alvaro Romeo. Hola, James. And James Horncastle. Hello. United in one room with one purpose. So talk about all the good things that happened this week and the bad. Mmm. Mmm. Uh, I'm going to go straight into the moments of the week. Last week, do you remember we had six minutes on restaurants? It's not going to happen this time, listener. I'm sorry about really? that. Really? Yeah. It's a shame. Someone because, said because on... one person tweeted that they didn't yes, like that. Yes, I saw that. Okay. Yeah. And you're being affected by that. I mean, that's social yeah, media all over, like isn't it? You, you well. concentrate on the one negative comment yeah. rather than you know the tens and tens of tens of comments that weren't actually yeah. posted praising that six minutes yeah even the silent listener who never yeah. sends a praise but he loves it listen if you like restaurant chat don't stay silent <laughs> let us know <laughs> rafa you where are you going for lunch i'm going to an italian restaurant called bocconcino oh that sounds nice, nice. So, oh. sounds nice and who are you going with with my mum. Oh, oh even better that's a lovely story yeah, it is. Yeah. all right let's get some moments of the weekend jules uh, Sunday night, uh, it was the big game of the weekend between Lens and Marseille. It was a terrible game, I won't lie. It was really poor. There was hardly no shot on target. But then in the end, in the 91st minute, Jonathan Grade uh, on the set piece scored for Lens to put them six in the table, so much better for them. And for Rino Gattuso, it's still really not just happening. Oh. Alvaro. It's uh, Athletic de Bilbao Celta on Friday. I mean, uh, I start from the beginning. It was a lovely, lovely football game. Athletic Club Bilbao won it 4-3. They are fifth on the table, but I'm going to single out the player, Jago Aspas, because his uh, game arc in that game uh, expressed as well what uh, the game was for Celta. Jago Aspas scored uh, first, uh, first uh, before anyone else. Uh, it was uh, the end of uh, an eight-month scoring drought for Jago Aspas. Then he gave a lovely assist, and then he missed a penalty that could have given Celta the three points. But at the end, Athletic Club Bilbao won it. But I celebrate that Diago Aspas is back scoring because he's such an important player for Celta, and he's going to be from now until the end of the season. Magnificent. Where is Celta on the table then? Celta are on relegation zone, 18th, Ooh. two points away from uh, safety. Mm. All right. Uh, James, your moment of the weekend has to be Federico Di Marco's yes. cross. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fluke. <laughs> no, Jules, no, of course don't not. be that guy. He said cross. <laughs> he was the first one. Tell him of him. What, what yeah. did he say? Well, so, Mkhitaryan said he meant to cross. Yeah, Mkhitaryan said that. Cheekily. But equally, Simone Inzaghi said that, oh, he does this in training. But also, when you when you look at the yeah, replay, he does definitely. look up. And also, who would he be crossing exactly. to? There's nobody there. There's nobody there. Yeah, exactly. There's nobody, he's too far nobody's away. home. Yeah. But he's off balance. 
you could say. True. And so it's a mishit, you could say. Is it really? I don't know I don't that it is. So. The thing is, he scored goals like this before, mm. which leads you to think, okay, he did mean it. Yeah. I feel he meant I mean, it, but I yeah. always do. There's Dun, been Dun a lot Hutchinson of these... On, sorry, Dan Hutchinson on commentary, I think said something like, this is the greatest goal he's ever seen in his lifetime or something. Like, he was really impressed. Well, he, to okay. be fair, he commentates on Serie A, so... James... <laughs> 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 Come on. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of these long range goals of late. John Joe Shelby did a uh, right. monster one for uh, Kekur, is it? Rizaspor this week? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the Wu Tang? Chekor? Chekor Rizaspor, I'm going okay. with. Yeah. But I reckon this. Oh, sorry. So we saw the Kamara one and yeah. the Kane one. However, However, those are central. Which yeah. is much easier to aim at the goal than Di Marco right on the left by well, the touchline. He's by the touchline, and also he's running with a defender alongside him. Which are the other ones they've kind of run up and hoofed yeah. the ball. He's doing that while and one touch sh- only, and one touch only. <laughs> Fifty-eight meters, the Gazzetta put, yeah. but that, I mean Incredible. they just make stuff up. So, uh, but yeah, I thought it was amazing. Best goal I've ever seen. Incredible, really the best yeah. goal of the season for me so far. Oh yeah, yeah, I would say that yeah, because the execution is super complicated. As Jules is saying, the angle is not easy, mm. uh, and also to have the idea to do it. Because yeah. I think that there is always uh, that element that we forget. He made that choice. He could have not made it. As he said after, it's a good thing I scored. <laughs> 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 All right. Hey, Rafa, what's your moment of the week? Hey, then? James, I think my moment of the week. <laughs> Struggling this week. Oh, yeah? Uh, not a beautiful goal as such. I think I'm going to go with another post-match moment. Niklas Füllkrug, a Dortmund and Germany striker, being asked, why did Germany, why did Dortmund lose at Stuttgart and looked so rubbish, frankly? And he said, well, we had the wrong approach today. And uh, not for the first time against good opposition. We see how limited we are. Which was seen as a not so coded criticism, perhaps, even though he denied it, of Eden Terzic. Wow. It's the best coach. team in Europe he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Does he not believe that, does it? <laughs> yeah, I think the points per game ratio has suffered now. Back to back defeats now in the league. Back to back defeats, plus that 3 all draw against Frankfurt the week before. So oh. I'm sure Manchester City have maybe just edged past them. Or, or Atletico. Okay. Or Atletico. Or Atletico. Mm. The, uh, also, code of criticism of Newcastle, because if they. Yeah. badly when they come up against good opposition but beat Newcastle 2-0 yeah. draw your own conclusions alright we'll hear more about what happened to Dortmund and who did it to them soon enough but we're going to begin with the shock news in Naples this is the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network Quattro minuti di recupero, scade in questo momento il novantesimo, giocherà per altri 240 secondi, attacca l'Empoli, attenzione con Ewey, Kovalienko prova, il gol, il gol dell'Empoli con Kovalienko da posizione defilata, trova una traiettoria impossibile per il portiere del Napoli con lì di la palla, bacia al palo e finisce in rete al 46esimo nella ripresa, Empoli 1, Napoli 0, il gol di Kovalienko, questa volta Collini non ci è potuto arrivare, mamma mia che Wow, that was the moment in the 91st minute of this weekend's game between Napoli and very much struggling Empoli. Oh my word, what's going on with the Italian champions? Last week, they had what looked like the easiest Champions League fixture of all. They took on Union Berlin, who'd lost 12 straight games. Napoli were at home, they only managed a 1-1 draw. This weekend, then, they take on Empoli, a team from the relegation zone in Serie A, again at home. And they lose. And they lose. Not surprisingly, the club has now decided that it's time to part company with manager Rudy Garcia, James. Have they, though? <laughs> no, because like this happened in the last international break where they have a number of coaches on the casting couch. They're very public about it. And then ultimately they can't get a deal done. And poor old Rudy has to <laughs> stick yeah. around. He's just not getting the message. <laughs> yeah. But um, I expect he will be sacked, uh, James, mm. because, I mean, it's just... It's not so much that it's it's really bad, although they are 11 points off where they were last year. They've lost to Empoli before. Spalletti lost uh, to Empoli at the uh, Stadio San Paolo, or Maradona as it's known now. Um, but... It never helps when you lose the last game going into an international break, which keeps happening um, to Garcia. And, you know, his his lineups, his choices in games keep getting criticised. You know, he decided to leave out Kavaratskeli and Zielinski for this game. Um, which whistled by the crowd when the lineup was announced. Whistled by the crowd when the lineup was announced. His name was announced uh, as well. 
And I think the the fans tried to take to Garcia when he got the job. They wanted to be supportive. They knew that it was a really hard act to follow uh, in Spalletti. But they've never really got fully behind him. I think it never helped that he went behind in his first game of the season to Frosinone. And that was like, oh, here we go again. Mm. Um, And, you know, you can say that he has his faults. Um, You know, we've talked about the lineup not integrating new signings quickly enough, Nata and the the centre-back or Lindstrom, for example. But you also have to look at the club and... Beyond Spalletti leaving, Giuntoli, the sporting director who assembled, assembled the league title winning team, left as well. Um, you know, De Laurentiis basically says, look, I haven't been present enough, uh, which I think has been actually quite awkward with him now showing up to the training ground most days. Did he um, go down at halftime as well of the Empoli game? To went down to at halftime. Come on, yeah. no, you don't do that anymore. That's... And then, of course, you know, the social media manager. who decided to piss off their their best player Victor Osman who spent the last month out injured Mm. so there's a lot of things going on there but ultimately the manager pays the ultimate price well yeah if you lose to a team like Empoli who'd conceded 21 goals in the previous 11 matches and only scored 4 make that 5 now because they managed to breach the Napoli but they are a bogey team Mm, that's true they've won 3 of their last 4 uh, visits, or at least Andrea Zoli's won three of the last four visits with Empoli to the Maradona. Amazing. So, you know. assuming that that French guy does depart then <laughs> from the bench, he's the French guy. Uh, there's there's various various options. They've got a yes from Igor Tudor, last seen at Marseille. No? That's right. Yeah. Also, Walter Mazzari. Yeah. That would be fun. It's not great though. Neither of them, if you're a Napoli fan, get you inspired. No. How about Fabio no. Cannavaro, who sat next to Aurelio De Laurentiis in the during the game? Yeah. Fabio, who was with Benevento uh, just inland from Naples last year, got sacked and Benevento got relegated to the third division. Okay. So for all his great work done with Guangzhou Evergrande mm. uh, over the last decade, a team that I don't think exists anymore, <laughs> um, I'm not sure uh, Fabio will be getting the job. Okay. You mentioned Tudor was uh, on the casting couch literally at mm. um, literally? De Laurentiis' studios oh, was he? in Rome yesterday oh. on Monday. Um, and uh, look, I mean, Tudor is the, the the shadow that has loomed over every job in Italy over the last few months, you know, be it Stefano Pioli mm-hmm. at Milan, be it Garcia. But the problem that uh, De Laurentiis has kind of admitted to is that even in the summer, like there are not many coaches out there that play Spalletti ball. Mm. Um, you know, there are not many uh, coaches out there that play the the style of football that Spalletti did within a 4-3-3. The only guys that are available are all these these guys who play with back threes, be it Conte, be it Tudor, be it Mazzari. Mm. And like this Napoli team has not really been set up to play that way. So I think that's one of the reasons why, aside being rejected by Conte a month ago, De Laurentiis is like, oh, what do we do with this team? Because our best players are our wide players. And yet if we're playing 3 4 2 one we're we going to be asking Cavalazzelia and yeah, Politano sure to play as number 10s and work. stuff like that. So it's a bit tricky, James. Mm, it is a bit, isn't it? We'd, we'd, no word yet on which is more likely to be taking over. But Mazzari is interesting because, like, you know, Mazzari's been, like, completely discredited. But he had like, four years retirement or something. No, but, like, he, he was with Cagliari and Cagliari got relegated. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he had a great first spell with uh, with. Won uh, the Napoli. cup with them. Won the cup with them. Got them was, into Europe. It was the Napoli he of the three four channels. years under De Laurentiis. Yeah, I mean, he 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 kicked them on. He got them into the the Champions League. Mm-hmm. He had that team with uh, Lavezzi, uh, Cavani, Hamsik. They played with the back three, mm. but you know, then he dumped Napoli to go and um, coach Inter. Yeah, where it rained. Where it <laughs> rained. Where there's that really famous meme of him biting a plastic bottle in frustration, um, and yeah, De Laurentiis, yeah. Coaches rarely, apart from Rafa Benitez, they rarely, things rarely end well with De Laurentiis. I remember him saying that um, with Mazzari, you know, sometimes you get married and, you know, one of one of the couple goes and f- somebody else. What? And that's what he meant uh, with Mazzari. Anyway, Napoli, whoever takes over during this international break, assuming someone does, they'll inherit a side that's still in the top four. So, yeah. With other outfits uh, also stumbling of late, like Lazio and Roma, who had that really disappointing derby on Sunday. What, three shots on target? 
Yeah, it was dreadful. Um, and <laughs> move on. <laughs> no, move but on. the the thing is, is that a team like uh, Milan can be winless in what four games and still be like comfortably third. Mm. Napoli can lose to Empoli, can lose to Fiorentina, can lose to Lazio, uh, and still be in the top four. Which you know, I think Sarri and Mourinho after the derby were like, oh, it's a positive point, and it's like, well, yeah, they are technically still in contention for Champions League, but. This season, they should be in the top four. They should be capitalizing on the fact that Milan and Napoli are stuttering. And instead, they're not. Mm. Um, so, disappointing. They're behind the remarkable Fiorentina, who mm-hmm. ended a three-game losing streak. Was it losing streak? Or well, yeah, streak? You see. yeah, Who ended a three-game losing streak by winning the other big derby of the weekend, the Derby delle Apennini. Or delle Apennini. How would you say that one? Yeah, I would go Apennino. Apennino, okay. Uh, against Bologna with your friend Lewis Ferguson, who you spoke to <laughs> last yes, week. My friend, my yeah. buddy. <laughs> How was he? He was lovely, very grounded. And uh, I found him very football intelligent as well. Was able to sort of explain what is, I think, to the naked eye, quite a difficult, fluid system that Thiago Motta's team plays, um, particularly for a guy like him who pops up all over the place. Was saying how he, you know, sort of draws some inspiration from watching Jude Bellingham, um, because Bellingham's not a striker, but has scored so many goals this season. You know, in terms of the runs, the the spaces that you should occupy. So I thought he was great. So, <laughs> but it was the classic Horncastle kiss of death because they went and lost for the first time since match day one. So <laughs> there you go. Well, they're still in contention for a Champions League place. They're level on points with Roma, but Fiorentina in sixth place now, three points off the top four. You mentioned Milan not getting the result this weekend. They were 2-0 up at Lecce, ended up drawing 2-2. Worryingly, Olivier Giroud got sent off. And Rafa Liao picked up an injury, which means he's going to be out for probably at least until the Borussia Dortmund game when the Champions League returns. Yeah, worrying, not ideal. I mean, particularly considering that their next game in the league is against Fiorentina, will it be without Giroud? You know, Giroud is the uh, second top scorer in, in Serie A. Uh, Lautaro Martinez is in a league of his own, as we've often said. Um, so that's not ideal, particularly when players like Luka Jovic have been really disappointing. So the backup uh, to Giroud. Uh, Leao is kind of symbolic of all the injuries that Milan have had. You know, there's, there's I think... Uh, internal investigation going on at the moment at the club as to like why are we losing so many players to injury it's 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 really damaging uh the team and you know not for the first time they have been two nil up as they were in naples against rudy garcia's napoli and uh and they've thrown away four points credit to lecce though and and nicola sansone who has now scored seven times against Milan for four different clubs. Oh, wow. And he almost he almost won this as well because he had a 93rd minute winner. Was no, that was Piccoli. Piccoli. Oh, that was Piccoli who had that. But still, Lecce, the very little man. Three the little man. <laughs> we also came on with Santoni, by the way. Oh. After yeah, the I mean, they, they, they should have won that game. I mean, the VAR intervention on that goal, I mean, it's very... Very dodgy. It's very dodgy because basically... Um, Piccoli is accused of standing on Malik Chow's big toe. And Chow, fairness to him, young player, very, very cunning because he goes down. And I think if he doesn't go down, the goal stands. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, Milan lucky to come away with a point um, in the end uh, from that game. They stay third. They are fully six points behind Juventus, who are second. And Milan eight points behind Inter, who lead the way. So very much a top two and a, a two-horse title race. And guess what? They, they meet, meet each other. Ooh. The first game back after the international break. Yeah, the Debbie d'Italia. Juventus Inter. Inter with that 2-0 win this weekend over Frosinone. It was the DeMarco goal to set things up. And then uh, Chalanoglu with the penalty after Juve, meantime, beat Cagliari 2-1. That's now five wins in a row. Yeah, defence being the sort of best form of attack for Juventus because uh, their centre-backs keep on scoring. Um, you know, that's been... A hallmark. If this team can't create a lot from open play, they're I think they're the most dangerous team in the league from from set plays this year. Kind of mm-hmm. carries on from what they did last year. They didn't keep a clean sheet this time around, but their defense is extremely um, solid, and they're doing it sort of without players. I would say because you know Pogba's obviously suspended. Yeah. We'll have to see. Um, he's provisionally suspended at the moment. I expect we'll know more before Christmas as to whether he's banned for two, four years, whatever it is. Fadjoli's banned. Tuzan Vlajevic, 
practically never starts uh, anymore because um, it's used in Moisey Ken and uh, Chiesa. Um, they've been without Tim Weyer as well. They're one, they're one signing. And they keep on rolling on. But the big test, of course, will be this Derby d'Italia to see. Okay, that'll be coming up after the international break when Italy uh, and their national team will have a very big test (laughs) of their own as they take on North Macedonia. Didn't go well last time. Anyway, more on that in Thursday's Totally Football Show. Now, it's time for Bundesliga time. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Before you get back to this athletic podcast, did you know it's just one of many made by The Athletic every week? I'm Abby Patterson, senior producer here at The Athletic, and I get to work across so many of our shows. But even I have my favourites. Sometimes you're just too busy for a full-length podcast. I get it. We've all been there. Well, we've got a show to help you. Get up to speed with all the football stories you need to know about with our daily football briefing. It's done and dusted. Saudi Arabia will host the 2034 World Cup. Got a bug for the women's game? Then full-time Europe is for you. It's our dedicated women's football podcast answering the questions you're asking from the WSL and Champions League. So what's going wrong at Arsenal? But perhaps you want to know exactly how a team has set itself up. Then come to the audio whiteboard and join Michael Cox and our analytics gurus as they dissect and examine the game like nobody else can. That's on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. I don't think I've ever seen a striker who reads the game so well. Just search The Athletic wherever you're listening to this podcast now and you'll find your next podcast obsession in no time at all. Now, let's get back to your show. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. All right, Rafa. We mentioned Union last midweek, getting an actual point in Naples after those 12 straight defeats. This weekend, they got back to losing ways, <laughs> although admittedly, uh, away to the number one team in Germany, Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, you can lose there, but Leverkusen destroyed them. It didn't look like two teams were playing in the same division. Uh, and maybe they won't be mm. <laughs> next season. Um, it was 4-0, Union, all over the place. Um, I think getting Benucci in was really the... Oh, you keep kiss coming of back to this. It's just like... Kiss of death for them. <laughs> <laughs> just upset everything. No, Man of the match in that I point mean, against against yeah, Napoli. Yeah. He got injured in the game anyway. Yeah. Nothing to do with him really, but uh, Leverkusen were just superb once again. Great goals, great combination play. They scored from set pieces as well. Couldn't live with him, uh, Union. And this is a Leverkusen team that had come back from Baku after playing there on mm. Thursday, but didn't look tired at all. Extraordinary. Grimaldo with another amazing goal. Achtung, Ballverlust von Union Berlin. Grimaldo, Strafraumkante, schießt ins Tor! Tor für Leverkusen! Und was für eins! Dieser Grimaldo ist eine Wucht! Senor Grimaldo! Look, he's been capped, finally. Mm, well, no, cold yeah. up. Spain. Cold yeah. up, cold up, not capped yet. Through yeah, Golda. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant in a kind of gangland way. That would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he deserves. He's been outstanding. He's been outstanding. A fantastic transfer. Boniface has been great. Shaka's been good. Shaka's been very good. But Grimaldo, probably in, in recent weeks, the most eye catching. Seven goals already he scored in all competitions. And uh, plays as a wing back most of the time, so has a lot of license going forward, more so than let's say a, a proper, more conservative fullback. But he looks absolutely brilliant. And of course, you've got Frimpong on the other side, and two of them just smashing things up. Exactly 12 months ago this weekend, when these two teams were playing, Bayer Leverkusen were in 13th place, having just begun their road back with. Uh, Xavi Alonso and Union were in second place in the Bundesliga what an extraordinary reversal those two teams have had a year is a long time in football well I guess it is 
but uh, of course still the same managers and I think there's no indication or not not much indication that Urs Fischer will will be let go I think Union seem to be convinced that this is just a giant series of fluky results mm. that will change and things will be back to normal but of course when you have was it six points at this stage of the season uh, alarm bells are ringing mm. Well, they're only two points off safety, only one point off a playoff spot. So there's still plenty of time to turn things around. Elsewhere, while Bayern won, Bayern did as well. Dortmund, however, did not, losing 2-1 at Stuttgart. Now, you mentioned a little bit about Dortmund's issues, but what about the incredible Stuttgart? Up in third place now. Uh, and uh, Sergio Girassi is back as well. is back too. With 15 goals now, because he scored from the penalty spot in this one. Yeah, came came on after his uh, lengthy injury break and uh, scored the winner after Stuttgart had missed a penalty. Chris Führich, or Kobel saved one, we should say. Kobel again was probably the one Dortmund player that, that looked okay. But it was such a poor performance, especially after that really impressive 2-0 win in midweek. I mean, Dortmund just continue to confound expectations in a way that's almost no longer a surprise because they have these two faces, as uh, Edin Terzic said, and they showed the, the ugly one once again. And it's hard to understand why a team that seemed to have found consistency in the league now are uh, faltering again. We mentioned the extraordinary reversal that Union and Bayer have had since last year, but Stuttgart's the same, if not more. They had to go through the relegation playoff last summer, and now, what are they, not many points? Well, actually quite a few, but they're certainly well in for a top-four spot. Yeah, it's incredible. Sebastian Hoen has taken over, the nephew of Uli Hoeneß, um, saving them from relegation and perhaps being a little bit unlucky because their XG was really, really good and they underperformed for a long time, and they should have had better results already last season. And this year, the results are in line with the performances. And, yeah, they're just an amazing team. Is uh, it just because they've got a GRC scoring insane amounts of goals? There's quality throughout this team, and but I think they are extremely well coached. And this is a Stuttgart side that have arguably lost maybe their most influential player in Vaturo Endo. Mm. To Liverpool, yeah. Yeah, it's an um, amazing story, Stuttgart. Mm. And I think it's a, it's a good one because they are team that should be fighting for Champions League in terms of the size of the club, the history, German champions in 2007. It's great to see them back. Hmm. Really Excellent. Because they, they managed to lose to Heidenheim the round before this. Heidenheim yeah. who took on by in this They weekend. were a bit unlucky were in they? that game and Heidenheim were very good from set pieces, uh, which is one of their speciality. And they did cause about two minutes of problems for Bayern in the words of Frank Schmidt, oh, okay. the coach, because they equalized. They came back from 2-0 down. This weekend. This weekend, mm. away to Munich. But then Bayern went the other way, and uh, almost immediately Rafa Guerrero scored for Bayern to give them the lead again, and then Chupo Muting with the fourth after a brace from Harry Kane, who's on 17-11 and 11 now in the league. After scoring, of course, also in midweek against uh, Galatasaray. And the first goal in particular was really special. The kind of goal that very few strikers score because he's really marked tightly. There's not really a good angle. He controls the ball. It's not that clean, the control, but he somehow finds enough of space to turn. And the shot is just incredible. So out of... Nothing almost. Sané kommt auf den Strafraum zu, spielt flach in die Mitte. Kane mit dem Rücken zum Tor, dreht sich, Tor! King Harry hat schon wieder zugeschlagen. Das Tor für die Bayern. Mm. And then a lovely header for the second. And a lovely header um, with no, mar no one marking him at all. So he's completely free in the box, but it's a long way out. And he places it perfectly. And yeah, once again, really... Strong performance from him. Excellent. I was wondering if the German press is drawing any comparison between Haaland, Kane and Lewandowski because I would like to know what the opinion is. 
because the German press won't be too biased because none of them are German. And um, I don't know if there is any I comparison think, between the three of them. I think they're a little bit biased towards Harry Kane because he's the one still in the league. All right. And you see him every week and you don't really see what's happening in Barcelona and City to the same extent. But I was speaking to somebody very close to the dressing room for a piece I wrote on Harry Kane, oh. which I'm sure you would have uh, read this morning, James. Um, and uh, <laughs> we always do that. Has it just come out today? Yeah, it came I out today. I look forward to that. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> and he said, Lewandowski scored just as many goals. Right. Or words to the effect for us. The difference was... Did he call him Lewandowski? I'm just trying to he get did it. Not. Oh, did not. Oh, it did wasn't not. him. Then. No, it wasn't him. The difference was... <laughs> no spoilers in this article. No, the difference no. was, um, he said, with Lewandowski, you always had the feeling he's doing it for himself. With Harry Kane, you get the sense he is really all about the team winning. So he is the superstar, but incredibly humble. Right. Hardworking, drops into midfield, you know, does these 30, 50 meter runs into his own half. And he adds something beyond the goals that certainly in later years Lewandowski didn't do. Haaland, I guess, if you want to reduce him, if you want to look at him in terms of the overall impact on a game also doesn't that much for for build-ups and stuff but of course he is freakily unstoppable once he once he gets the ball in in difficult areas but Kane because it's Bayern and everything has a added multitude of, of meaningness when it comes to Bayern right now being seen as as probably the best striker in a long time and people are uh, making comparisons to get Müller and Lewandowski and saying Nobody knows if he's going to score just as many goals, but he's probably already a, a more complete centre-forward than they ever were at Bayern. If Harry Kane had gone to Man City when he wanted to, what would have happened? What, so Harlan, Harlan wouldn't have gone there. Where would, what would have happened? It would have been a very different... To Bayern? I Bayern think Bayern? Bayern were very, very keen. They tried to get him in. First, before he moved to Dortmund, when he did that tour with Mino Raiola all across uh, Europe and he's in the private jet... And then again last year, but um, they couldn't, uh, sorry, and then again two years ago, the problem was they still had Lewandowski. So whatever Bayern said in terms of, you know, just come and then a year later Lewandowski's probably not going to leave, it just wasn't that uh, tempting for for Haaland. And of course with City having uh, also a bit of a financial muscle, allegedly, it was it was tough for Bayern to compete. Okay. Anything else from the Bundesliga, Rafa? Um, a bit of an unhappy story, oh. but we should mention it, I think, at Augsburg. Um, a couple of fans from Hoffenheim threw some really loud firecrackers into the uh, Augsburg section of fans. And uh, it's one probably one of those illegal ones which are so loud that they're dangerous. And 11 people got hurt. Uh, not severely, but they got hurt and arrested two of them and... Hoffenheim have come out very strongly saying these guys will be banned for life and they identified the culprits quite quickly. But yeah, really ugly story, but unfortunately it does happen. Mm. Okay. Loads more to come from around Europe, including a word or two on the Benfica manager. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. 
and because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash Totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. Let's talk about Benfica, the team managed by Holger Schmidt. <laughs> nice. Almost. Holger Schmidt. Holger Schmidt. Holger Schmidt. Him. <laughs> he was involved and his team were in the Classico, or possibly Super Classico. I'm not sure this weekend. Anyway, they were hosting Sporting, the leaders at the Estadio da Luz. Sporting, who was set to go six points clear at the top of the Portuguese Primeira Liga because they took the lead. However, they then went down to 10 men in this keenly contested fixture about 50 minutes in. They hung on. Hung on. You were probably watching this, Jules, were you? No, I only watched the highlights, James. Okay. For 40 long minutes. With 94, well, 44, in fact, because with 94 minutes played, they still had that one nil lead but then oh my goodness Benfica equalised through Jean Neves and then in the ni- Jean Neves Jean Neves and then in n- the 96th minute Kasper Tungstedt oh actually it's probably just Kasper Tungstedt <laughs> <laughs> scored or he thought he got the winner but it's called back for offside oh. and they spend three minutes deciding whether it was offside or not and they go no it's okay so in the 99th minute Roger Schmidt's side he needed that as well. Yeah, he did, didn't he? After the terror, it's bizarre. They're now level with Sporting at the top of the Premier League, and uh, but in the Champions League they can't get a point. Uh, Real Sociedad yeah. destroyed them the other day. The first thirty mm. minutes of Real Sociedad, well, the first half of Real Sociedad, they found the net five times. Two goals were disallowed, three stood, and Real Sociedad missed the penalty. All that in the first half against Benfica. They have good players. They that. I'm not sure what's happening. I don't know. Last the year they were amazing. They patch it, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. But I think if you lose players like Enzo, Gonzalo Ramos, your goalkeeper, oh, but it's a lot to You get a lot of money for it as well, though. The goalkeeper thing is not a big issue for me. For me, it's more the Enzo thing and the fact that Kotsku hasn't been available a lot. Oh, uh, Kotsku, the, the darkest uh, from uh, player, was supposed to be the, the real replacement well, yeah. for Enzo, but he hasn't been available a lot. Speaking of VAR or semi-automated, did you see what happened in that uh, Corinthians game? Um, oh, yeah. where the r- manager, yeah, do go on. <laughs> where they stormed the VAR the sport, room. The sporting <laughs> director as well. <laughs> when Mali went grand room. There is someone uh, chasing after them, filming them. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, they tried to knock the door down. And then when they noticed that someone was filming <laughs> they them, they got quite uh, yeah. intimidating. Just, yeah. Did you see what No respect for the officials anymore. It's gone. How did it look? Did it look like a, the kind of camera that a CCTV camera that is pointing at a shop and suddenly a burglar is just storming in? Did it look no, like that? It no, it was someone was filming, filming on, the on the phone. They were really close. Ah, yeah, so the someone, was right. someone ran after them yeah. and it was like this. And then, yeah. Did it you was see what happened in the Peru first division? When the uh, wet team, <laughs> no, well, let's keep it's that for the Peru section later on. No, go on, <laughs> no, but this team won away and were celebrating with their fans, uh-huh. so the home team turned the lights off. Ah, literally, yes. it was yeah. all dark, which yeah. I think L- is the most literally at the final whistle, yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, that <laughs> reminded me of uh, uh, Barcelona putting yeah. the sprinklers on Mourinho yeah. Yeah. or yeah. Milan yeah, against Marseille. The grass was dry that day. Stopping. Going off when the yeah oh, stopping the off. stopping right. the game when they said they could not see anymore because so of many memories I know mm. great memories uh, in the Eredivisie PSV PSV got their twelfth win from twelve league matches incredible start four uh, 0 against Peck PEC Ajax had a two to draw there now creeping up the table again to twelfth in Turkey uh, Galatasaray and Fenerbahce are nine points clear of the rest and level. On points, and as mentioned, John Joe Shelby, Shelby scored a worldie for Rizzo Spor against Istanbul Spor. Very good. Let's hear about Ligue 1. Triple de Kylian Mbappé. Le service est signé Bradley Barcola. La belle course de Barcola qui s'est montré patient et qui a vu Kylian Mbappé se proposer faire la petite course à l'intérieur et il va croiser son intérieur du pied Kylian Mbappé pour s'offrir à 
triplé sur la pelouse de Reims, offrir la victoire au Paris Saint-Germain et offrir la première place. Liga, the lead, the lead has changed in Liga. There's ah, a fresh, a fresh face on top. <laughs> yeah, a small team, you know, with this great story, fairy tale story. Yep. PSG are now uh, for the first time this season top of the table. Uh huh. They beat Reims. Yeah, Will Stills Reims. Although, right. I mean, it was a 3-0 win, but the scoreline's a little bit deceptive. Completely, James, because Gigi Donnarumma made five five exceptional saves. He got nine out of ten in his uh, equipe ratings because Ooh. he was really that good. I mean, some are just uh, really uh, like close shot. Yeah. yeah, close range. Close range, that's it. What, what did he get the previous match against Milan? Uh, that's a, I think he was good, no? Five, yeah. yeah I think he made a couple five. of yeah, he made some big saves. saves. Okay, uh, but yeah, I was standing really when you look at the game, the Kylian Mbappe hat trick uh, was enough for PSG, but Reims were probably the better team. Certainly in the first half, the second half, Rus Enrique made some changes and PSG improved really, and they were they were better. But for Reims, it's, yeah, it's just unfortunate that they faced a very very clinical Kylian Mbappe who mm. could even have scored more because he also hit the woodwork. But Luis Enrique was not happy. This was is the not? big headline oh. after the game, really. Uh, is his comments in the Flash interviews twice, two different broadcasters, and then again in his press conference when he said, there's nothing I can say about the goals that Killian scored, but for the rest, I'm not happy. I will have a chat with him. He, should, he has to do more for the team. I'm not going to tell you now what I will tell him because that's step private, but already I'm giving you a lot of information that I don't really need to give you usually. Um, but yeah, Luis Enrique, amazing. Okay, so why was he choosing to say that publicly? And what do you think he said to him privately after he just scored a hat-trick and won? So I don't think they've had the meeting yet because obviously it's the international break now. So Killian went straight, uh, like all the international players. Mm. I mean, I think there's nothing new. It's just the lack of defensive effort from Mbappe, for example. Even when he's on the ball, the fact that he forces his game a little bit too much and plays just for himself and not enough for the team. Right. I think that's what... Luis Enrique is going to mention and if he said it so much like three I mean three different times you can say it once and you know it's going to be picked up everywhere but to repeat it twice after mm. it must have maybe felt like that a while ago and just waited to say the right time I don't know it's a big thing to take on Mbappe will he have the backing of the sporting director on this <laughs> job? <laughs> he will and him and Mbappe get on really well I think there's oh, yeah. which was not always the case between Mbappe and some PSG managers I think he, he's got a lot of respect for Luis Enrique it's just is this going to work like I think I'm sure other managers before have tried to have that kind of conversation with Kylian in terms of you can't just be disinterested when you lose the ball you don't you, you cannot not work defensively when everybody else is working that kind of stuff that we've mentioned on the show many many times before. but this is interesting Jimbo because uh, what's the point of being an arsonist here because he did that at Barcelona with Messi and didn't work for him yeah didn't work at all uh, to the point that uh, Messi uh, after he was on the bench one day and Messi didn't like it uh, then Barcelona's board had to speak to Luis Enrique to address that thing and never wo uh, Messi was never ever substitute again he was never on the bench again mm. uh, with the exception of the odd cup game Luis Enrique has had um, this kind of duels with the stars with Totti at Roma with Messi at Barcelona and it didn't go down well for him so That's I don't so know true. it looks like he doesn't learn Mbappe would no doubt feel well part of the reason that I'm able to perform like that mm. in cru crucial moments and win a game like this I don't know what his XG was but a hat trick yeah yeah, yeah. It's because I'm not busting yeah. my gut tracking back. But it's again, I think it's in a way, although you can understand Deschamps, this is the problem. The problem is Deschamps in a way has made official the fact that Mbappe is so good mm. that he can be exempt from all the defending work, all the tracking back, all that kind of stuff that everybody else has to do and really every member of a football team should do. But because Deschamps at the World Cup especially said, no, it's fine, I've spoken to him, the, other, the rest of the team knows exactly what's happening. I think there's that feeling even from if you're Mbappé thinking like, well, if I don't do it with France, mm. well, I'm not going to do it at club level either. So it's one of those. You know, it's a bit mm. tricky. You should take a leaf out of Totti's but book because when Totti was uh, dropped in those first games by Luis Enrique, he turned up for training in a T-shirt because Totti only expresses himself in T-shirts yeah. saying... No, Messi was different. Messi, uh, years after um, Luis Enrique departed Barcelona, he said that the best ever manager he has had was Guardiola and Luis Enrique. He didn't put them in different categories. Oh. So Messi respected Luis Enrique, mm. but the 
basta between Luis Enrique and Messi didn't go down well for, for him, for the Asturian manager. And uh, he got to basically to swallow his own words. Mm. Pepe is not going to be benched, though. I can, I mm. can tell you that. Okay. PSG anyway, going to the top of the table. Maybe Luis Enrique just feels he likes to have a little bit of tension around yeah, the team. Maybe. I don't know. Stop maybe. everyone getting too comfortable. Anyway, they go top because the previous leaders, Nice, had a goalless draw. Uh, that was at Montpellier. Monaco also up there. They also drew. This was at Le Havre. Le Havre. I want to talk Le Havre. Le Havre. Previously, I knew about them that they were promoted and they are Pete Doherty's favourite team. Yeah, I saw that. After yeah. QPR. Yeah. No. Lovely so story that QPR. was. QPR. No, but now okay. he's... Okay. He, he, says he's there, he, he says he feels a little bit like he's stooping some, some other woman on the side. Okay. Yeah. But uh, he now lives there and yes, he goes along right. to whatever they call uh, Stade Océan. Yeah, nicely. Which lo- it looks like the uh, Smurf stadium. So in Tom Burroughs' piece, which is a far more... Serious piece of journalism. Which has no legal substances <laughs> in it at all. None. Uh, he reveals that uh, Le Havre are France's oldest club. Yeah. Although there is some debate about whether that might be Strasbourg. Yeah. But anyway, they date back to 1894, which certainly makes them older than Paris Saint-Germain, for example. Of course. But also, they play in light and dark blue because they were founded by Oxford and Cambridge University students. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a fun. Right. It's a fascinating club. Who, for a long time and even now, uh, have one of the best academies in the mm. country. Well, Give Paul us some Pogba. of the players they produced, Jules. Yeah, Paul Pogba, Lasana Diara, uh, La Born and Bred. No, both of them are Paris Born and Bred, <laughs> but they went then to the Louvre <laughs> Academy because it was it was very very good. So even in the current squad and the squad that they went they were promoted with last season, um, they have a lot of. Academy graduate, which is very good. And Luca Elsner, the, the coach, is doing a, a really, really good job. Uh, they're up in seventh place. Yeah. So they're not, not far off uh, getting into Europe, which would be... Uh, yeah. well, they um, almost won this weekend. They had a 97th minute penalty against Monaco. Yeah, saved by Philip Cohn. So, oh. yeah, it was, it was a good performance. And it, was not, it was not a great game in Monaco for the first time maybe this season were really disappointing in the way they played. They usually are so attacking. So good to watch, not on Saturday night. Mm. Credit to Le Havre for that because they defended really well. They were really well organized. And they, they a team that plays with a big heart and the stadium was full mm. and they have great fans. Big heart and a lot of love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, on the subject of nil-nil or indeed love-love in, in other sport, yeah. uh, though, those two this weekend were the 14th and 15th nil-nil draws of the season in Liga, yeah. which... What did you? What would the number be in City A? But I think that is the most in Europe. In I think in, in England, there's only been one or two. Well, there have been two at Crystal Palace. I think there's yeah. maybe only been three this or something. It's all these tactical stalemates. Uh, they're it's just the quality the of the league. Well, this weekend yeah. there was one in in the Bundesliga. It's either you make it was mistakes. Only, only the second of the season. It's either you make mistakes and get a very average game like the Chelsea Manchester City we saw on <laughs> Sunday <laughs> yeah. afternoon. Oh, it's you have teams that are so good. That Don't wow. make mistakes. What did Gianni uh, Brera call the perfect game? Exactly. Yeah. Nil, nil. Nil, nil. I, I, I'm, I'm with him completely. Okay. But even Thierry Henry yesterday, we asked him. He was obviously with the Fontana 21 and he said, <laughs> he said the worst. It's not so much the nil-nils because you can have good nil-nils mm. with a lot of chances. Just It's not happening for you. Is that uh, for us, we don't even have shots on target. Which obviously is a problem when you want to score goals. So. Oh, that is true. Okay. Uh, Monaco will be taking on Paris Saint-Germain in Paris when we return from the international break. Yeah, we said that weekend we've got obviously the City-Liverpool game to start it. Mm. Then we've got the PSG-Monaco game. Then we've got obviously, as we said, the Inter-Juve game. Mm. So it's a pretty cool weekend to come back. Very yeah. nice. And Friday night, Bayern travel to Köln. Not so good, but you know. Thomas <laughs> is very upset about this. says this is a sensational time to kick off after international it's not week. like a German manager to kick off kick about. off yeah, yeah. no but the Friday night football after the international break is quite a new thing isn't it mm. I've got that perception at least we didn't have that in La Liga until this season mm. Freitag football yeah. Freitag Freitag Abend mm. oh, Freitag is the Europa Pokal the kleinen kleinen mannes yeah. Wow. You could say that. I agree. <laughs> I would not put it that way, but so, no. No, Friday night is <laughs> European <laughs> Cup football for little people. Ah. Uh, Leon. Leon. Yeah! Everybody claps, please. Everybody. Woo! Why? Leon. They've won. First they've game since May. Uh, right. You know? They Rough won at Rennes. 
Pep Genesio's Pep Ren. Genesio is on. You think that's it? Something nice. International Ooh, break. They're deciding it now. Yeah, he might stay just about for a little bit. Uh, but Pep yeah. by name, Pep by nature. And uh, somebody mentioned a few names as managers. They're looking at one of them being Ryan Mason. I mean, I'm not really sure. Really? Yeah, there. But. Pep Genesio clearly. Why Ryan Mason? I don't know. I've got no idea. Why not Ryan Mason? Oh, James? Why not? Yeah, Ryan that's Mason? the question. I'm sure he would, I think he's yeah. applying for a lot of jobs, so okay. he would have applied. Because he's a Freemason at the moment. Freemason. Was he working well, with. No, he's, no, he's still, no, he's still he's, there. He's, he's still, still on the staff with Ange. I think he wants to be a number one. So. Nice. But Pep losing his touch, yeah, clearly. Because in this win that Lyon, in this game that Lyon won in Rennes. Uh, Lyon played for 90 minutes with 11 against 10 men because Rennes got a player sent off after five minutes. And if you put all the added time together, then it's a whole game at 11 against 10. And yet, Lyon were not even that good under Fabio Grosso. But they won, so nobody would care. But for Rennes, yeah, the league is not good. They're 11. They're just not playing great despite the squad that they have. Okay. Uh, the goal scorer for Lyon... Former Swindon, Crystal Palace and Cork defender Jake O'Brien. That's right. I think there's even some young fans who didn't even know he was in the squad. So well done to him. He worked hard, to be fair, and they moved to a back three. And he scored that goal. It's a good header. His celebration was lovely. Yeah. It's of all the people that could have scored yeah. for finally get a win, from mm. Lacazette to Shirky to Toliso, all of that. The fact that it's him, the most unlikely Unlikely, yes. A high performance from Jake. High performance from Jake. That's nice. lovely, yeah. Oh, we got guest producer Ben taking care of it today, and he's doing his wind it up. Although I've got he's two so more rude. things quickly. I, uh, something I want to ask you. Let's yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. Come on, he's stuff him. Yeah. Yeah. Ignore him like, you know, he's the coach on the sidelines. Exactly. Saying, Killian, track yeah. back. But players Go always pretend they can't hear, yeah. so we can't see him. We can't see him. But Paris FC are doing yes. a Dusseldorf. Yep. Where they've uh, made all the tickets free until the end of the season for all the home games, men and women. Nice. And the first time was on Saturday. Uh, they beat Bastia 1 0. The capacity was limited to 7,000 because of security. They didn't know how many people would turn up and everything. Mm. So it will gradually get better. And they're hoping at some point getting between 15 and 20,000 at the start charity. Wow, that's amazing because. In other experiments, you feel that the club are receiving enough money from other sources, whether it's TV or yeah. whatever, or a sponsor. But Paris FC, what kind of revenue stream do they have? No, none. I mean, none. What, they, what division? Are young they? players. Second division. Lots of right. Paris-born and bred players. Loads of them. <laughs> uh, they're hoping that just there's new sponsors coming in. Mm. That, uh, for example, the merchandising and the shops that they have at the stadium will sell more if you've got ten thousand instead of the three thousand that they usually get. So all that kind of stuff, it obviously right now costs them money to give all the entrance for free, but they're hoping that in the near future, then, um, then it won't be the case. Fantastic. Okay, there was something I wanted to ask you, Jules. Yes, and I it was, think I what know. was the reaction to last Thursday's extraordinary game at the Stade Municipal in Toulouse, where the stadium, yeah, st st where where Toulouse beat Liverpool three two, and there's wonderful scenes at the end with the 18 year old keeper in the stands leading the charge. Yeah, Guillaume Rest was while Toulouse Klopp was in the in the press room underneath getting Not all happy, shirty about yeah. the, the <laughs> They were too noisy wow. and they had to move. He was not happy, uh, Klopp at all. And also there was a, an equaliser for Liverpool right at the end to make it 3-3 on the McAllister handball that maybe was a little bit harsh. So Klopp was not happy. To lose, incredible, one of the greatest games in their history. I mean, they beat Napoli and Maradona in the 80s, which was, I think, to date, maybe the greatest result in their, in their European football history, for sure. And this time, this is in the group stage, so it's different. However, to beat Liverpool was... Pretty special. And one of the best stories of this is that in that game, mm. Aaron Donham, who is the uh, Norwegian international Toulouse midfielder, attacking midfielder, scored a goal. And on Sunday here in England in the WSL, we had a very nice Tottenham against Liverpool. And the goal scorer for Tottenham was Celine Bizet, who scored a lovely solo goal. And she's the girlfriend of Aaron Donham. No so way. the same week, four days apart, the boyfriend and girlfriend both scored against Liverpool, men and women. Okay. Couple goals. Nice. That's nice. pretty cool. That's a really nice story. Toulouse are second in Liverpool's Europa League group, two points behind Klopp's side and three ahead of third place Union Saint-Gilois. Very good. Shall we... We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. Move on to the La Liga. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Yay, La Liga. No change on top here. Top six sides in Spain all won at the weekend. So, Girona stay in first place. A 2-1 victory at Raya Vallecano. Of all the victories they've had, and it's now six in a row for Girona. This must be one of the most special for manager Michel. Yes, because he was a former Rayo Vallecano player and uh, he's a legend of Rayo to start with. Mm, but I think that uh, Mitchell is only thinking about the present and Girona got another win. And uh, it's the November international break and they are still topping the table. And uh, I wonder if we have to start to ta- take, taking them seriously, uh, at least to qualify for the championship, because the gap uh, that they are creating is pretty big and um, on top of that they are a team that uh, has the resilience and the thick skin as well to go for remontadas one after another they did it after uh, against Osasuna two weeks ago and uh, they did it against against uh, Rayo Vallecano this time uh, probably with their best uh, players uh, in the score sheet uh, one of them Dobic a very clever signing uh, by Girona and the other one Sabino uh, the footballer that PSV and Doven um, didn't know how to use and Girona got for themselves, and he's destroying La Liga, basically. With a third of the season gone, they are 10 points clear of <laughs> Athletic Club de Bilbao in fifth, and two points clear of Real Madrid, who are in second spot. Real Madrid, who underlined their dependence on Jude Bellingham and their, <laughs> yeah. their appalling lack of having a proper striker <laughs> by going and beating Valencia 5-1 this weekend. Yeah, you're right. And Jude uh, wasn't missed at all. Um, because uh, Carlo Ancelotti, uh, he just uh, said the prophecy maybe a couple of weeks ago, he said that the Brazilian strikers were going to finish the season with more goals than Jude Bellingham. Bellingham. And I've got here the numbers. Uh, between Rodrigo and Vinicius, they don't even amount. They go Does from... he mean the two of them put together? No. Oh, individually, no, no. they'll individually. both score Bellingham. Yeah, Rodrigo and Vinicius. And Rodrigo has scored five goals. Vinicius six. Uh, they've been scoring uh, lately, obviously. Uh, they got more ho- goals than Jose Lu already, who is uh, level with Rodrigo on five. And Jude Bellingham has 13. Mm. But uh, rather than the numbers, which uh, sometimes uh, they don't uh, make you feel anything, you have to watch the way they, they played uh, Vinicius and Rodrigo the other day because they move very well together. Uh, the link up with Brahim Diaz is something that Real Madrid has to work on a lot. And no, they have to use a lot because, for example, against. Uh, Braga, in the Champions League, Brahim Diaz, Rodrigo and Vinicius uh, found uh, a really nice association during the whole game and the link-up game between them was very good. I'm not saying that uh, Brahim is doing what Benzema was doing because he's a totally different player, but he can actually set himself in between Rodrigo and Vinicius and pass them the ball a lot. So the triangles there assist and Real Madrid has a new attacking option that personally didn't know of. But yeah, Real Madrid was good against Valencia. Valencia had been very, very decent this season with a, a core of young players who have been competing against Atletico. They beat them, for example, in Bilbao. They drew two all, but they deserve to win. Uh, so it was a real shame for Valencia, but Real Madrid was too much for them. Okay. Do you think it's a bit narrow-minded, the, 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 this idea that Real, Real can't really challenge for Europe this year unless they get another striker in? Uh, I think it is not true. I think that Real Madrid can challenge the Champions League without a natural striker. Uh, I really do. Uh, Jose Luis, obviously, the referential number nine, but Carleto will not use him uh, in important games. I have the feeling that only uh, perhaps in the last 20, 25 minutes of the game, if he's needed. But uh, Rodrigo is learning, and Rodrigo can play as a number nine. Mm. Uh, yesterday, he gave an interview in Spain, and uh, he said that it had been a little bit of a difficult start of the season for him because he's been adapting to being the referential point at Real Madrid. But in the last weeks, Carlo Ancelotti has given him a little bit more freedom just to disappear 
from the box, just to go to the sides a little bit, to create from that uh, those angles or new corners of the pitch, and uh, he's finding it easier now to play than at the beginning of the season, when he was basically uh, used as uh, another Jose Lu, and that's clearly not Rodrigo. Rodrigo has been already five seasons in Spain, we know who he is, he's a very uh, accurate player who knows how to capitalize his chances, but he's definitely not a player who should live in the box. Okay. Yeah, the Madrid team not having any problems scoring goals oh. in Europe either. Atletico Madrid, who did Celtic 6-0 uh, last midweek. They followed that up with a 3-1 victory at the weekend over Villarreal, who are already on to their third manager of the season. Yeah, and fourth manager in the last 14 months, if wow. you want to put it that way. Uh, it's Marcelino, the new manager. Oh. He did very well at Valencia. He did very well at Athletic Club Bilbao. In fact, he helped us win uh, the Super Cup. And it's funny how Emery and Marcelino have uh, shared clubs. I mean, because it looks like they are chasing each other. Marcelino has coached Valencia, Villarreal and Sevilla. And Unai Emery has done exactly the same thing in different periods, obviously. But uh, I think that Marcelino is the best manager okay. uh, Villarreal could get. It's Recently left Marseille, of yeah, course. Yeah, it's huh? good to leave Marseille. Tudor is bouncing back at Napoli. Marcelino is bouncing back at Villarreal. Mm, indeed. But Villarreal needs a manager. Okay. They really do, because Pacheta, um, he corrected the situation a little bit in Europe. Uh, Villarreal is uh, getting the results in, uh, in the European competition, but in La Liga they are very far away from European spots. Okay. And by the way, Atletico is one of the stories of the season. Let's speak clearly about this. And mm. Antoine Griezmann, I know that Jude Bellingham has been astonishing, but uh, maybe we have spoken uh, disproportionately about Antoine Griezmann in comparison to Jude Bellingham because uh, they not both they, not enough yeah because both have been I, I couldn't tell you who has been better but Antoine Griezmann has been incredible this mm. season he's been the orchestrator of everything that Atlético does up front empate aún en el marcador Atlético de Madrid Villarreal tiempo de juego cadena Copa el cuero para Coque la levanta para dejar solo a Llorente gol de Two for him against Celtic. Another one this weekend, and I think two two assists and the 3 1 win. Uh, or put, certainly he, one, one assist. He, one assist one and assist. one goal. One assist yeah. and one goal. And the, it's the way he plays more than anything else. How does he play, Alvaro? Well, uh, he, he plays in that role that uh, he could never have at Barcelona because Messi had it. Mm. So Antoine Griezmann is uh, more than happy to be between the lines. Uh, he's not a midfielder, but he's the player who. Uh, gives uh, more fluidity to the game when the ball goes to his feet. And on top of that, when he go gets in the box, he's got the clarity of a very good striker. So he's the complete package right now. He's the Bellingham, the French Bellingham. Mm. French Bellingham, wow. Awesome. He's now <laughs> four, is it off their all-time top-scoring uh, tally? Luis Aragones. Luis Aragones is there. Yeah. He's yeah. the top scorer. And Griezmann he's only, four. I think, four behind. When he scored this weekend, I thought it was interesting how Diego Simeone ran down the touchline <laughs> and then kind of joined in the pylon of players to tap Griezmann on the head. <laughs> was there a sp special message? I, I don't think uh, Simeone does that. Because they were Did he think he'd early. broken the record? He oh. went too soon? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he he checked a wrong web, web page and he, he just got the wrong he's information. He's happy and uh, there's a joie de vivre these days. Yeah, about, I mean, uh, they, they love each other and uh, honestly, and to Angry Edmund's best footballing time has been at least at club level with Simeone. Mm. That's, that's for sure. Simeone, who, by the way, has extended his contract. Mm. I, don't, I think that uh, we spoke about this two weeks ago. It was going to happen. It has happened. Okay. This Is he still on 42 million euros? No, he, he lowered his wages. Yeah. To 41. How much? Yeah, he was on 42 million euros. Yeah. Every how often? After tax. Yeah. No, before, before tax. Yeah. Before tax, yeah. But yeah, the he was the highest paid highest coach paid in the world. Far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But on, on the other I hand, I mean, those black shirts they <laughs> didn't buy themselves. Black suits as well. Yeah, expensive. Yeah, expensive. But on the other hand, I mean, uh, Simeone has changed Atletico's uh, trajectory. Mm. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, that's uh, factual. I mean, the last time they had won the league was in 1996 with Radomir Antic. Simeone arrived and he won two titles, two league titles, a cup. Mm, European titles as well, two championship finals, and the thing is that the team is revitalized again. Even in the worst seasons, mm. they, they still qualify for the Champions League. And this season, Atletico de Madrid has something which is very important, in my opinion. The engine of the team is the same engine that they had when they won the league in 2021. Mm. This core of Spanish players, Marcos Llorente, Coque, and Saúl, that they had massive up and downs, and for the last two seasons they've been 
really uh, anonymous. Some of them, they disappear from football, like Saul. They are back. And I think that these players, they offer a lot to Atletico, really. OK, they're lying fourth at the moment, but with a game in hand. Six points off the top and uh, four points off the team in fifth. So looking quite comfortable, yeah. at least for Champions League football. And who knows what more. Quick word on the team immediately above them, Barcelona, who did manage to get the victory this weekend coming from behind against Alaves uh, for a 2-1 victory. Both goals from Lewandowski ending a six-game scoring drought. But what happened to them midweek last week? And what was the reaction to that in Catalonia, the 1-0 defeat away to Shakhtar Donetsk? Well, there was the right um, the right level of criticism for Barcelona for what they did. Seven what did days, they do? Seven days ago, they mm. beat Real Sociedad and we spoke about that game. They were very bad. And then against Shakhtar Donetsk, they, they deserved to, to lose in Hamburg. There was criticism for that. I think that Xavi hasn't had a lot of criticism for the press in the last two years, maybe because they were winning despite not winning nicely. And uh, when Barcelona beat Alades on Sunday, Xavi said literally that what the press says affects the team. Scenarios are created that are not real and mm. that affect us. And I really don't understand what Xavi uh, wants, to, wants to say here. Uh, and I disagree if he thinks that there is a witch hunt against him and the players. Because if any manager in Barcelona history has had like a very favorable treatment by the press, has been him. Really. Uh, Ronald Koeman, for example, the three, four years ago, he had a terrible one. The Dutch one. guy. The, the Dutch guy, guy in comparison yeah. to Xavi Hernandez. So I, I don't think that uh, Xavi is right creating this uh, narrative for, of them and us mm. and uh, putting them both as, as opposing things. I think the press in Barcelona has been rather good with Xavi. Yeah, but the managers love that kind of thing, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w I wasn't sure that Xavi was going to be that guy. But anyway, yeah. I mean, he has been. Mm. Um, Lewandowski, uh, we spoke about him before. He didn't get all the praise that he should have gotten for the lovely first goal he scored. Because in the game, I don't know if you saw this, but um, he refused to give a, sanke, a handshake sorry, to, to Lamin Yamal. He blanked him. Yeah. He blanked the high five. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, because la, uh, apparently Lewandowski was looking for more supply, service from him. Didn't happen, even though Lamin Yamal tried a few times, but the, the crosses were wrong. And Lewandowski was angry at the end. Yeah, and didn't look good, didn't look good. You wouldn't see that from Harry Kane. No, no, no. no, there you go. That never happened in Germany either. It's the selfishness that Raf was alluding to there. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Thank nice. You. Very we good. We have to go to a restaurant now and... No, no, I'm taking oh, another yeah, podcast. Yeah, I'm on another podcast. You got another podcast, right? I would never do he that. He has, yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, well, listen, have a great time at your other podcast and... Uh, with Mrs. Honigstein later on. Thank you. Uh, Jules, you have a great time. Alvaro, James, producer Merci. Ben, Rachel, and you, listener. Uh, we won't have an international show for you next Tuesday, a Euro show, because it's the international break, but you'll be hearing about the important international stories in our Thursday and Monday shows. James, I don't know if you'll be free to preview Italy, Italy, North Macedonia. Not qualifying okay. for the Euros. And very expensive. And I hope you speak about Brazil, Argentina as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Gibraltar and France. That too. My word, so much to look forward to. It's going to be an unmissable show next time out. Do join us for that, listener, for now. From all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.